Constructing your life is about much more than just building a bank account. Each week, join real estate entrepreneur and mindset coach Austin Linney as he interviews guests who are constructing their dream lives and impacting the world around them on a daily basis. If you're an entrepreneur or wanting to start a business, or you just want to hear motivating stories of how others have overcome the odds, you are in the right place. And now for your host, Austin Linney. Guys, welcome back to Construct Your Light. This is Austin Linney here, and I have the honor of having uh, Chris Bello in the house. How are you doing, sir? Good, good. How are you, Austin? Thanks for having me here, man. Man, thank you for coming in. I just went on your podcast, and that was so great. Um, You know, so I wanted to have you on mine. You know, what I like to do with my guests is kind of let them, you know, maybe not at two years old, but like go back and (laughs) tell tell your story story about who you are and, and what you do, and we'll kind of go from there. Cool, cool. So what I always tell people is, you know, I went the traditional route and I was kind of plugged into the matrix. I went to schools that my parents told me to go to. I went to private school all the way through eighth grade, like a Catholic school. And then a lot of my friends went to a Jesuit all boys high school. So I did that. A lot of my friends from there went to Texas A&M University or University of Texas. I grew up in Houston. And so I was like, well, I guess I should do that too, right? (laughs) And it wasn't until three and a half years into a a job that I thought was a dream job that I started to question, there's got to be more. And I'm looking at everyone who's at a higher level than me in this company, and I don't see myself in their shoes, and I don't want to be doing the stuff that they're doing. And that's where I decided to kind of leave that company to pursue my own things. And then I, I landed in real estate a couple of years later after struggling through trying to invent a product and spending $40,000 an idea with a friend that never made any money. I think we all kind of watch too much Shark Tank and get really excited sometimes. And it can land us in a little bit of uh, trouble with making decisions a little bit too quickly. What's interesting about that product game, because I've interviewed a couple of guys. And, and now that you say it, I'm laughing here's my new right no 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 here's my new advice to a young entrepreneur let's say a young person that's thinking about starting a business yeah i truly believe that if and i'm not even saying you're going to make money in because this is a weird this is a weird thing i'm about to propose if you truly want to learn business at a rapid speed try to launch a product (laughs) you'll learn everything I, i i really don't think there's a better business school than understanding the marketplace the marketing Who's your target audience? What patents do you need? Like, I'm thinking about like, For real. I don't think there's a better business school than try- <laughs> like everybody I talked to is like, oh my God, that like, was got to do all that. <laughs> yeah. Like that was nuts. Right. Like, is that what you took away from it? Like, yeah. even though it's not like, Hey, that wasn't ideal. Like, man, talk about a speed school when it comes to business. Absolutely. It was just a crash course in learning everything of, Oh, trademarks and, we tried, I, I tried so many ideas initially, you know, filing, um, I guess like a trademark for a logo or something. And then we get a cease and desist letter from a company that has like the same font and has the word in it that I never heard of, but it is a big company. Yeah. So that idea got shot down. I'm like, well, I just paid a thousand dollars or $2,000 there to have the attorney file this patent that now we have to just kill. Um, or, or trademark rather. I do have a patent as well on that invention, although it never went anywhere. But you're right in that you're learning about marketing and do I create this product and is there demand and chicken and the egg situation of, it seems like there's enough interest to launch this, but we don't really have pre-orders. Like, should we still invest the money in this? Like, let's try it. Uh, that was a conversation that I had with my friend. And so we learned a lot. We did. The same one in that space, when you're going, and this is from a real estate perspective, building yeah. or developing, you know, there's not a lot of books out there. 
And man, when I started trying to build houses and lots, <laughs> dude, you talk you about crash course easement, sewage, this thing, you got to have this zoning. Like it's one of those things like <laughs> we we can read all the books and we can really create a space, but man, sometimes just getting in there and it's not the most ideal scenario, but there's an amazing book I read called Blitzscaling, the owner of uh, Priceline and some other big companies. Yep. And it's basically this tactic that a lot of Facebooks and, and bigger things is they go, they break all the rules for six months. They move, they move as quickly as humanly possible. They break it. They don't worry about how it is. Then they have a meeting every six months, reassess. This didn't work. This worked. And then push forward. And what they do is they outpace their competition so much right. that they don't have any competitors in their space. That's amazing. That's a cool strategy. I have heard that book before. I do need to uh, to check it out. And I'm catching on to a theme too. When I'm talking to you, you've got, you're always name dropping books. I'm like, man, <laughs> you've got so much knowledge in there. I you know, it. and what I do is I go back and ones that resonate with me, I, I reread as well too, because right. this is really important to people to understand. The way that you view something in this moment, a month from now, two months, three years from now, you're going to hear and see different things. So true. I, I used to be the person who'd watch a movie and I'm like, why would I watch it again? I've already seen it, right? Same thing with books. I thought, well, I've read it two years ago. Now that I'm starting to reread books again, you know, like Influence or Rich Dad, Poor Dad or, you know, Four Hour Workweek, I, I take away new things of like, wow, all these things that I read the first time that I had no idea how to implement, I've already implemented and I've taken the, the lessons and, okay, this one idea that I loved, I did never action. How can I take action on that today? Right. So you're, you're so right that you are at a new level every single time you read these books and you see things from a different lens. This is a pretty heady uh, topic or mainly like viewpoint, but this is something really interesting. Remember that every goal that you write down today, let's say you write goals today, that goal can only be a representation of how you viewed yourself in the past. In that moment. Oh, in the past. Okay. In the past. So that goal can only be as big as you thought yesterday. Yeah. And so if you adopt the mindset of I'm going to show up as the best version of myself in this moment, then you have no idea what you can create in that moment. And when you make that mental shift, it changes everything. That's so true. I've I've made podcasts about that before of how can you imagine making $100,000 in an hour if you've never even made that in a year, right? Or in a day or whatever. It's just you're you're basing your current goals based on what you've seen as possible. But that's one thing that's so helpful about surrounding yourself with people at another level, such as yourself and such as like mutual friends of ours, you know, that we've talked about. I've had a few of them on my show since mm -hmm. you start to think bigger and you start to be like, well, OK, we have a similar background. We kind of tried the same things. They, you know, failed a business or two as well. <laughs> we all have that in common. And now look where they are. It starts to break those beliefs for yourself. So that's been my hack of starting to believe things are possible for me is just seeing people that are seemingly normal around me that are achieving massive levels of success. And, and, and you did something for yourself, you know, that's, that's, that's hard. You made a decision, you know, you, you said you moved recently, like a lot of people when they have a business, especially as you as an agent, you know, and they, and they build up that, uh, you know, that network, that clientele base, like to, to walk away from that is, is almost, you know, sometimes inconceivable because what am I going to do and everything. So like, walk me through like, why, uh, you know, besides like, you know, Denver's an amazing city. Houston's yeah. great too. I grew up in, I grew up, I've lived in both and I grew up in Houston. Cool. What was the quintessential decision behind, you know, being able to walk away from that and kind of start a new life 
um, which is, you know, is, is definitely the harder pass sometimes for people. That's a great question. I don't know if it's just impulse. I'm a little bit impulsive, right? The invention idea, like YOLO, let's just put the money in. We'll figure it out. It's just money. We can make more, you know, I've had, I've always had that mindset about it is just abundance and we can always fix things. And so what, I'll just lose a little bit of time, a little bit of money. We'll make it back type thing. So part of it might've been a little bit of that, but just we visited in October in August of 2020, we were supposed to go to a wedding in Canada that got, of course, canceled or rescheduled uh, indefinitely because things have been a little bit interesting with traveling internationally for the last few years, to say the least. And we visited in August 2020 and we just loved it. You know, everyone had dogs and the windows down and mountains in the distance and kayaking and biking, very outdoorsy. And it also wasn't 100 and something degrees like it is in Houston with the humidity. So that was really it. We stayed here for a week. And my fiance and I were like, you know, we could probably just move here. What if I sold the house and I could list it myself? I'm a real estate agent, right? So to put the timeline on it, we had put the house up for sale in October or November of that year, stayed with my parents for a few months in between while we got that cleaned up, sold and all of that. And then we were here by March, 2021. So it was pretty quick and it was a little bit of an impulsive decision. We didn't have a network here. We didn't really know anyone here. And it was just more like, hey, let's do this. And I also want to force myself to build my business in a way that doesn't rely on a certain location. And I have been managing to close deals remotely. I just had a listing go up this past week in Pasadena, Texas, never visited the house once, 27 offers well above asking price. So it's been working. I have lost a couple of clients where I'm like, dang, they're closing with another realtor. They would have closed with me if I were still in town. Um, but knowing that I see a bigger vision. That was kind of the reason why. And we are really, we, we are happier here. We can just feel like, man, the mountains in the distance and it's always sunny and we're not dealing with rain and flooding streets and things like that. Like that's kind of part of the reason why we we moved here, if that makes sense. But it's also forcing me to grow in a way because I've always loved the four hour work week and digital nomad lifestyle, those types of things, laptop lifestyle. So that's what I'm pursuing. And I've forced myself, I, I take the leap and I build the airplane on the way down, right? Sure. A lot of entrepreneurs do that. So that's that's what I'm doing now. Well, what's interesting about people is, is like, uh, and I, I talk to a lot of my young clients that I coach all the time. It's like, I'm like, hey, you need to like travel or move. And they're like, you know, like, I really like where I live. And I'm like, no, no, like, don't get me it's wrong. It's a hack. Like, yeah. No, no, no. I really, I, dude, yes, 100%. If you're going to spend your life there and you love where you live, great but I still want you to move because I just want, I want you to make sure that you see the other side of the mountain. Exactly. And more importantly, by having to be new and having to drive a different street and having to find a new gym, it's forcing you out of your comfort zone. Like you, people that haven't traveled to Europe, it's not always easy to travel because the language is different, but let me tell you something. It makes you appreciate more of what you have. Yep. It, it makes you get out of your comfort zone. And I think, you can't put a price tag on those situations to put yourself in a space where it forces you to grow. I think, I yeah. think one of the bigger issues that I see is conformity, right? right. Uh, guys that I coach that make 3 million, 1.5 million a year. And they're like, Hey, this is it. Like, this is great. You know? And it's like, you kind of have to like, you know, as Joe Dispenza says, like when you're driving the same route every day and you're seeing the same tree and things like your, 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 your mindset kind of like focuses in and it doesn't see the next new, you know, like, uh, how many times are you in a situation where there's a beautiful sunset where there's a bird chirping or it's beautiful outside, but you don't see it. You don't even notice it. Cause it's the same thing. Right. And it's like, I feel like sometimes 
when I wasn't in a good mental state and I lived in Colorado, you don't even look to see that you're living in this ridiculously gorgeous place <laughs> right. because you're so focused on, well, I got to get to work. I got to do this. And so it's these situations that allow to push ourselves out of these spaces that we kind of have to do. Yeah. And just getting perspective. I mean, I found so much more peace in a way of being on a three hour hike where I don't even have cell phone signal on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Whereas before I might've been showing homes or show, sitting in an open house, right? Now I've got other people utilizing leverage and delegation. I've got other people hosting open houses at my listings while I'm on this hike in the mountains with my dog and with my fiance, just unplugged and recharging and preparing for the next week. And you're right that you kind of have to escape the hometown because you can get caught up in complacency and just hanging out with the same friends that you've been hanging out with because you've known them since you grew up together, that kind of thing. Like I said, I've been in Houston my whole life. I've got friends since pre-K that live out there. And while it's great, I love, I love them all. We're all still connected and keep in touch. I also wanted to force myself to grow, as I mentioned earlier, which this has forced me to do because I literally knew one person who I met twice in college and that was it. I had to go network and meet people, uh, create organizations and networking events and schedule things like that. Like the meetup that we're going to have the guys night here in Denver, it's going to have great turnout. It's going to be a fun time. Well, what's interesting is everybody asked me, what's your number one advice when it comes to Airbnbs? And I say, buy one and run one, not next to you. Oh, like remotely, far remotely, away? Remotely, because it forces you to build something. It forces you to build something in the space where you have to learn how to run it properly. It's the same yes. way if you ever read the book, Build to Sell. Yep. Build to Sell is one of my favorite books. And he says, look, you have to build the business if you're going to sell it. Not that you are, but it forces you to build a better business. Exactly. I have a friend. True story. Okay. Uh, Southern California's whole life from nothing, from prison and, and nothing to building a $7.5 million trucking company. Okay. Wow. He had to move his entire family to Dallas. So he would force himself to remove himself from the business because he mentally couldn't do it. He was so involved being in the area and he did it. And he said, it's the best decision. He's bought a second company since it's the best decision he's ever made in his life. Sometimes That's you amazing. have to do that. I am more beholden to, I, I get a massage a week for coaching. It's like something that I've done. I'm more beholden to know that I'm going to pay that person that money and put my phone away for an hour and a half. Right. Than I am if I did it myself. And sometimes exactly. you just have to know yourself. You have to just have to pay the money, move to force yourself to grow, to be better. Exactly. And I found myself getting complacent. I've heard people speak about this before. If your goal is 10 grand a month and you hit it, you take your foot off the gas, you slow down and you're like, well, I don't really need anything. I got everything I want. I bought a couple of kayaks and bikes and all that. So how do I get uncomfortable and raise the standards for myself and surround myself? It was a new opportunity. This is what I've told people before as well. It was a new opportunity to forge friendships that I wanted to create and be very picky with who I spend my time with. Whereas I was just falling into patterns of, okay, I'm going to go play video games at this person's house or, you know, they got something going on for Super Bowl. I'll just hang out there for a couple hours. And you kind of get caught up in the same routines of, oh God, I don't want to go to work tomorrow on Monday. You hear all those things from your friends that you grew up with, where I want to hang out with the people who are like, man, it's Saturday. And I just put in four hours of time because I love what I do. It's my business. It doesn't even count as work. This is play for me. Shifting that mindset. I've been very cautious of who I spend time with. There's a couple of things that are really important. There's a book called Business Owner's Dilemma. And he talks about uh, as an entrepreneur, if you don't have your next mountain, he goes, 80% of people that rock climb, they die on the descent. Like yeah. you, you've lost your purpose. You lost your fulfillment. It's very simple. 
I got a broker that I work with who's a client who's about to have a ridiculous year. Like, I mean, insane, like over a hundred million. Okay. Wow. And I said, that's great. But what's next? And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, if there's a good chance that you will never do that again, maybe you will. I don't know. But you're going to be chasing that high for the next three years. Exactly. If we don't talk about what's already next, then you're going to lose your drive and your focus. And he's like, damn, I never thought about it that way. And right. so we have to be already in the next resolution why we're building the one that we're currently in so we can know that we have that next mountain to climb. Exactly. And having a good definition of what you what your definition of success is, right? It may not necessarily have to be tied to exact dollar numbers all the time. I had this conversation with a mutual friend of ours, Leland, like what's your TMI, your target monthly income? That's another Tim Ferriss idea. What is that goal that would allow you to achieve everything that you'd like, live in the house that you want, drive the car that you want, donate to the charities that you want? It, we always move the the marker, right? We set a goal and then we want, we raise the bar and raise the bar and raise the bar. And it's great. I think it's awesome to pursue excellence and try to get better all the time. But what happens if you don't hit that bar, you raise it one more time and you fall below it. And now you tie your self-worth to that number and you feel like a failure when you would kill for what you had now 10 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. We always see that people are unhappy, constantly looking for that next rainbow to chase without knowing that, hey, actually, I love my life. I love what I do. I get to wake up and spend time doing the things that I love with people I enjoy hanging out with. That's pretty successful, whether or not this real estate deal closes, right? Just understanding that and being able to separate it where you're not a failure, if things outside your control kick a deal a month or two down the timeline. That's that's kind of how I look at it. And I try to focus on my activities, not so much the results because I know those will come and that sometimes they're not always 100% predictable based on the activities I do today. That makes and, sense. And and one of the people, because I coach a lot of agents, one of the things I worry about, and I'd love to get your advice to every agent that's listening out there. You know, I worry about agents because agents, especially when they're getting started, like don't know the word boundaries. They don't. <laughs> like They don't. <laughs> like, how do you you know, you've been in the game a minute, like how do you create boundaries around your schedule and your time? Yeah, your I really create boundaries with systems, automations, delegation. I'm big on building email lists and my voicemail tells people to text me. I honestly, it's probably like realtors are going to just scream at me when they hear this. I don't even answer any unknown numbers. It goes straight to voicemail. It kind of what I have a white list where if you're saved in my phone, it comes through. If not, you got to go through text me, let me know what it's about. There's so many spam calls, all those types of things. And if I'm sitting here interrupting the movie when I'm hanging out with my fiance every five minutes to answer every phone call, I'm going to drive myself crazy. And she's not going to be too happy about that either, right? We don't like pausing a movie that we're watching 15 times because I've got phone calls to answer, for example. So I really systematize everything. And my clients understand that my Calendly booking link, I kind of call it like my Batman signal. It's like shining the light in the sky for Batman. I will show up. If you book a time that's available in my calendar, I will be there. But if you just call me at 9 p.m. or text me at 5 a.m. as soon as you wake up or whatever, don't expect an immediate response because I might be on a Zoom call with someone like yourself. I might be reading a book. I might be meditating, right? So time blocking everything and utilizing booking links integrated with my calendar has been very game changer. Well, what's interesting, right, is like a lot of agents think, okay, if I communicate to my clients what I need, like they're going to, they're going to, and you know what, they might tell you, you know, that doesn't work for me, but that's not your proper client anyway. Right. And, and so, and so, you know, one of my favorite quotes is Jim Rome, like, you know what the top 1% does that others don't do? They ask. 
And it's right. like, if you're just communicating, I have uh, one of the top agents in Austin is my client. And he just went to Costa Rica for two weeks with his family and his listing assistant and his COO ran the entire thing. And he told everybody ahead, I'm going to disappear for two weeks. And I'll you know what? These people. Nobody said anything. Right. And the business still ran. And don't get me wrong. The day before he left, he was like, I don't think I should do this. And I was like, I need you, you to need let it. go of the reins <laughs> because what you're doing, this is very important. What you're doing is you're not allowing the two people that work for you to grow. Right. By you needing control, let them shine for you. Let them step up and you're going to extend their growth by six months if you let them take this responsibility. <laughs> and when he comes back, they're probably going to have a bunch of stuff they've taken off his plate that he's been doing because he could that he no longer will have to do so that he can focus on bigger things. I love it. And so as you moved from Houston to Denver, what is your advice to all the agents out there when you're stepping into a new market? What are the tips and tricks and tools? How have you tactically got in there and, and made headway with not having contacts in a new area? Great question. So establishing events has been huge for me. I know we're both in the RTA group and there's an RTA Colorado. It's like a business mastermind group for anyone who's not sure what that is. And tapping into the network, adding friends, like literally I'm that person adding people on Facebook that I don't know yet and I want to connect with them. So just setting the standards of, I'm going to start hosting this monthly event. Here's the invitation, adding value. We got 11 people to show up to this event that I threw a week or two ago. And I got to meet everyone from different businesses. Um, yeah, sure. There may be some competition like other real estate agents, but it's more of a collaborative thing to me instead of competitive and just adding value to people. As you meet them, you get to grow your network exponentially. And even, you know, the guys night that, that we're going to hang out with, you know, some of the mutual friends that we have here in a few weeks, a lot of those people are really successful at what they do and they're crushing it in real estate. Um, having those connections to ask questions to, or maybe even send referrals to, I've already sent two buyer leads to another agent I know out here. Cause I know he knows the market he's in it every day. And it doesn't take me away from what I'm doing with my Houston clients and with my more referral system that I'm kind of working so that he can do what he loves I can get something out of it and those clients can get best served. So my advice for anyone is just plug in, start networking, start adding value to people and make sure you have a solid person who knows what they're doing so that you can ask them questions if you're not familiar with the local regulations or contracts just yet. Alex Ramosi said, do you want to know how you win a business? He said, people. look at your competition and do what they're not willing to do. Right. And, and exactly. what your competition's not willing to do is they're not willing to outsource a referral, even though you might need the money. Right. Because they're like uh, scarcity, they're trying scarcity, to scarcity. Hold it all. <laughs> but if you abundant and abundant, abundant, and you serve them, then who are they going to think about on the next time they need exactly. something? And so it's this symbiotic approach of like culture slash values slash uh, abundant mentality. Because I, I don't think I know that you cannot create your vision for your life out of scarcity. 100%. It doesn't exist. The number one thing I do as clients with my clients is first, I spend two weeks, three weeks getting them out of scarcity. And then we can talk about where we're going from there because it's impossible to see the whole field from that place. 100%. The quote that I love that I tell people all the time, because people will always be like, man, why did you refer that deal out? You could have made 20 grand more if you just did it yourself. I'm like, I'm going to make seven grand for two minutes of time instead of potentially not even closing the deal because it was out of my wheelhouse or I didn't know the network or the buyers for that property, for example. Like I had a 12-unit apartment complex like in the outskirts of Houston. I just referred it to a commercial agent that I knew to handle that deal. And so this was one example. But the quote that I love is, 
I'd rather have 10% of a watermelon than 100% of a grape. What's the size of the opportunity? And also, if you're partnered like yourself, you're partnered with a lot of operators that are really great at what they do so that you don't have to be doing everything and you get to have a smaller piece of a bigger pie, which actually is a lot better than a bigger piece of a tiny pie. Well, I mean, it's very simple. You take a CEO, uh, you you know, this is what we talk about. We have somebody new stepping into a large role in our company. Give them the support they need and then watch them flourish and then now you have a, instead of being scarcity, you have this percentage of this huge pie that continues to grow That continues to grow instead of, instead of cutting their legs out from underneath them. Right. And, and then, and then saying, no, I take that 20,000. But what we're, what we pride ourselves on is how long has the client stayed with us instead yeah. of not one transaction. So how can you monetarily look at this relationship on impact and, and money wise, if they stayed with us for four to five years, instead of three months, two months. Right. Like you can't like that's, you know, you don't need to go out and chase a million clients if your clients stay around. Exactly. And that's what I always hear, too, is like the easiest way to make money is to just sell stuff to people who've already bought with you, sell to your current customers, get more transactions with them or referrals from them because they've already taken that step of taking out a credit card or, you know, allowing you to buy or, you know, to help them buy or sell a house, for example, or real estate property. That is the inertia that a lot of people get stuck on trying to find all these new clients instead of tapping into people who have already raised their hand to work with you and enjoyed their experience. That's the lowest hanging fruit and you can add the most value to them continually over time. I love that. So Chris, if people want to follow your journey, they want to, they want to, they want to reach out to you. How would they do that? Yeah, I'm most active on Instagram. My handle is chrisbello underscore, or if you go to chrisbello.com, you can connect with me, check out any free resources, check out the podcast. You know, of course we had you on there as well. That was an awesome episode and that's the best place to find me. Thanks again for the opportunity, Austin. I appreciate it, man. Two people already reached out to me from that episode. So thank you, my man. That's awesome. Glad to yeah. hear it. Yeah, dude. Guys, follow Chris, send it to somebody that gets some value and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Construct Your Life with Austin Lenny. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to start constructing your life by taking immediate action on what you learned. For show notes, resources, and more information on one-on-one coaching with Austin, visit constructyourlifepodcast.com.